Nice work if you can get it, and you can get it if you try. Now on 650 Sea Isle, we're back to Careers Today with Vancouver's most respected career experts, Alana Farrow and Minto Roy. Good evening and welcome back to Careers Today on 650 Sea Isle, Vancouver's gateway to your new career. I'm Minto Roy here with my co-host Alana Farrow and our very special guest Shane Gibson of Knowledge Brokers International. Um, Shane, I've got to tell you, being in the career management, recruitment business, I don't know what's happened in Vancouver, and I'm sure Alana knows this, but we get calls every day now from companies and people looking for great sales talent. Okay, um, Let's talk from the employer's point of view in t- terms of finding, attracting, and developing sales closers. Um, what are your thoughts about trying to find good salespeople out there? I think number one is to identify what level of selling that you're doing. So in other words, you may find a fantastic deal closer who used to work with, let's say, Bell Canada, right. uh, selling major accounts, mm-hmm. who had all kinds of resources and you know Fortune 1000 uh, assets at their disposal. And now you're running a small business startup. You can't give the person a lot of direction. You don't have any track record or sales process. And you recruit this person thinking they're going to they're gonna change your business. And the reality is there's a, there's a bit of a mismatch. Mm-hmm. And so why I say this is really, number one, identify your culture, also the level of selling. So is this transactional order-taking type selling? Mm-hmm. Is this relationship-level mm-hmm. selling? Or is this big deal closing where it's really solution-focused, where they're trying to become more of a trusted advisor than a pitch artist? All so right. I think first is identify what type of salesperson you need to recruit and also what environment and culture they're used to working in. Because often we can recruit someone who was really successful in the past, but we put them in an environment that are not comfortable. That's a great point. I think, you know, a lot of people come off that whole cliche of, well, you know, if anybody can sell, they can sell ice to Eskimos, that type of thing. So no matter whether it's telecom or shoes or whatever, just find me someone that can sell. And you make a really valid point. You kind of ask them, what's your process? And they they say, what are you talking about? You know, so it's a great point. What what would you consider in terms of the personality, in terms of what they want to be looking for? I think it goes along with the earlier part of our segment. Is is It tends to be no ideal personality style, right. I believe, in selling. Well, no, because but there's... You, and, you and Trevor went and interviewed all these top closers. Did you find commonalities? I understand that Trevor had a real predilection for fact-checking and statistics Absolutely. and measurement of all of your theories about sales. So... Uh, you know, did you did you come out with some sort of a, a checklist or spreadsheet of commonalities that these people had? There are at the back of the book we developed a, a sixty-eight question questionnaire, and it focuses on all the core competencies of a big deal closer. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that even the best closers in the book, I'm talking people like Dak Molnar, who works now with Westbuild, who you know is selling sixty and eighty million dollar. Uh, apartment blocks or city blocks mm-hmm. uh, in commercial real estate for Colliers in the past. And, you know, even someone like himself will probably only check off 40 of those 68 areas as an mm-hmm. area of competency. So depending on your personality style, you're going to be strong in certain areas. The key factor is identifying what talents you need for that job position mm-hmm. and finding people with those talents. So if I look back at uh, InfoSat Communications, I interviewed uh, we interviewed Carrie Healy, who's a vice president of sales there, who sells large satellite installations for major mining companies, uh, oil and gas, disaster response, you name it. Mm-hmm. He's very much an analytical type personality. He's he's an engineer. 
who graduated into becoming a big deal closer. So what he does and his skill set is very different than someone like Dak, yet both of them are rainmakers. So it really depends upon what environment and what, what skills and talents are needed to sell your particular solution. Okay, so there's employers out there probably listening right now. You talked about 68 core competencies. We can't go through 68, but give, give me two, three, four that, that are consistent in those. In big deal closers? Yeah. I think one of the things we look at beyond any of the competencies is that if you ask a big deal closer, what makes you, why, can, why is it that you're capable of closing 10, 20, 40, $60 million deals? Right. What's different between you and someone else? They're going to give you the same answers that the average salesperson will, will give you. Oh, I build good relationships. Right. Uh, I follow up. Right. I assess client needs. These are very basic things. But the difference between a big deal closer. They actually do it. Well, they're not. They don't just do it. They're obsessed about it. Mm. They're disciplined with it. Uh, you know, one of the people we interviewed back, back to Dak actually is interviewing him and talking about relationship development. He knew people's birthdays, their kids' birthdays, their hobbies, their wife's hobbies, what they did last week. I mean, he's literally forensically involved in that relationship and follows <laughs> through. That's my new phrase. And that's <laughs> I want you forensically involved in yet, the relationships. That's very cool. Too many salespeople aren't even conscious in the relationship development process because they're so focused on the next step in the deal but they're not really disciplined. And so we look at then organization, uh, interviewing Lisa Howell, who was one of Philip's medical biggest deal closers for selling medical equipment. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think with the day before we interviewed her, she had just sold $50 million worth of CAT scanners and MRIs to one hospital group. But Lisa was a sales scientist. I mean, she had the whole deal charted on her wall. And there was nothing left to chance, and it was all checks and balances. Your average salesperson, they keep most of it in their head and some of it on their laptop and some of it in sticky notes. <laughs> and then they mm-hmm. wonder why they can't get the big deal across the finish line mm-hmm. because they've lost it in the details. Mm-hmm. So these people are absolutely disciplined about doing <laughs> the basics. Are you paying any attention to this at all, Minto? I am. I, I am. Details, mm-hmm. discipline, mm-hmm. process, structure, memory. I've been telling Minto for four years. Again? Yeah, try that again. <laughs> I've been telling Minto for years that he's actually a bumblebee because as, as a quality a closer as he is, he's like a bee. Aerodynamically, they shouldn't be able to fly. They do, and they do very well, And by anybody's, but by anybody's checklist in nature, they should be land lovers. They should not be able to get up in the sky. And he doesn't fit any criteria of anybody's quality closer, and yet somehow organically, idiosyncratically, mesmerizingly he does it so well i, I think what were those five things no but <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true so i mean these characteristics here's the biggest problem a lot of people approaching us with sales careers approach employers now employers don't have six months of time to get to know people absolutely okay so this type of 68 checklist would really help employers really save a lot of time in identifying who they're looking for. And it, part of it too is when you're interviewing salespeople, I find that there are a lot of salespeople out there or people who purport to be salespeople mm-hmm. are actually better at getting sales jobs than actually doing sales jobs. Uh-huh. And, and, and I mean, so it, it's quite fascinating. And, and so what we look at is that when you're asking questions about, let's say, tell me about the importance of follow-up in sales. If they begin to pontificate and say, well, according to Zig Ziglar or Shane Gibson or whoever else this other sales author is, here's what's important in follow-up. I'd worry about that person. They're giving you a theory. What I want to hear is Minto says to Shane, well, let me tell you about the importance of follow-up. In my last job, 
I close this deal in this yeah, way. Well said. They're demonstrating historical competency that can be backed up. So when you're interviewing salespeople, I don't really care what you know. I want to know what you've done. And I think that's really key is they've got to be able to demonstrate a history of being able to get it done. Yeah, you know, and we look a lot of, uh, at a lot of resumes and you'll see a lot of salespeople that have had seven jobs in the last 10 years, yet every single sales position is, I was the top salesperson. I'm thinking, well, if you're continuously to top, why does the employer let you go? <laughs> and it, there's a disjoint in what you're communicating and what you want someone to believe. And that that's the difficulty even when you're trying to sell something. They can't be a disjoint. One of the areas around selection with salespeople that I often see is it's really reactive in a lot of organizations. They hold off right. and hold off and Great hold point. off and hold off. And they know they need a salesperson. They haven't planned. And they bump into someone at a cocktail party who's doesn't have, maybe isn't selling right now, who wants to sell, is employed somewhere else or maybe unemployed. And they say, hey, you know, I'd like to work for your organization. They have a coffee and then they've decided, okay, well, this person wants to work for us. Let's sound, sit down and debate whether we should hire them, which is totally the wrong process. You know, it's, it's, it's like waiting for your clients to knock on your door. If you want to choose who you want to do business with, you go, got to go out and find them proactively. And so if you're going to select good salespeople, number one, hire in advance and network right. to find the great salespeople. And in addition to that, make sure you're not choosing between one and two people. Make sure you've got five, ten good candidates lined up before you start to decide, oh, should we do this or shouldn't we do this? And don't be afraid to walk away from even those five or ten candidates. You know, it's funny. It's like if you want to attract big closing salespeople, you'd better as a company develop a strategy to attract and close big salespeople. Well, it needs to be part of your marketing. You need to be right. marketing yourself as an employer as much as you are marketing whatever product or service you deliver. There's got to be features and benefits of working for you, and you need to be able to clearly articulate them. And you need a vision and a mission and core values for yourself as an employer and not just a seller of whatever you sell. So I, I want to ask one question when we come back from the break in, in terms of what do these big closers look for in an opportunity. So we'll leave that for after. We're just going to leave that hanging. I but if you need a little more wisdom from Shane Gibson in absolutely. the break, then you want to visit www.closingbigger.com for information on the book or www.closingbigger.net to uh, download a podcast. And in not very long, you'll be able to download this as a podcast as well. Uh, I'm Alana Farrell alongside Minto Roy, and we'll be right back with careers today and stories from the opportunity business on 650 CI.